three weeks, we've talked about the importance of the humility of the Lord Jesus, and he was the best teacher, and it took humility from the, the moment he left heaven until he got to the earth, and he said, I, I don't have any requirement. This is fine right here. It doesn't matter about the animals around me. It doesn't matter that I'm not even in the inn. I'm not even in the local hotel. Uh, I, I, this is good right here. And the whole time he lived on this earth, he remained humble, folks. He, he never said, well, listen, now I'm the son of God. I expect better treatment than this. He, he, he never expected anything. In fact, he even said one time, that he said, I, you know, foxes have holes and, and, and birds have nests. That they, they, he said, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He never had requirements. He was here to fulfill a mission, and he never got distracted off a material thing. Can I get an amen right there? That's a big problem. Amen, baby. I love you. He never got distracted. But, but then there was another time when the humility of Jesus, I don't want to say it was challenged because the Lord knew what he was here to do, but I, I know it was another, another tough moment in his life, and that was when he was being falsely accused, when he was being beaten, when he was whipped, when he was chased out of town like Paul would later be, and he endured and went through all the things he went through. He, again, didn't say, well, I'm out of here. You know, I've served this time. I've done a lot of miracles. I've helped a lot of people out, but, you know, this was not... This was not part of my job description, although it was. And early prophets even give his job description what would take place during the course of his life. But he had to not only be humble to come from heaven and humble enough to not require anything, but just here to give, as I told you, and serve. But he equally had to be humble enough to stay and not walk off the job. That takes a lot. And a lot of you may have been in a situation where this, this is it. That was the last straw. The Lord didn't have that. And then, again, after he was beaten and he, he was crucified, and he, on the third day, rose from the grave, and he was mighty. He was no longer the suffering servant, but he was the glorified Son of God, and he showed himself to many people, you hear me. And this is not in what I was going to say today, but I feel compelled to say this. There is absolutely no, no argument at all that Jesus came and he arose from the grave and then he went to heaven. He was very public about his resurrection. The Bible says not only did his disciples see him and others but over 500 people saw him at one time. 500 people. Five, that's 500 people that knew 500 other people apiece. So they didn't even have Facebook back then, but I guarantee you that the word spread, and they let people know, oh, I saw him on a cross, but I saw him, and I saw the nail prints in his hand. I saw him with my own eyes. He is alive, and he lives forevermore. I may not be living right, and I may not know him and serve him, but there's one thing I do know. I do know he's real, and I do know he is here. 
because I just saw him yesterday. And so, I don't know why this is happening to me. Because I hate to do that. I just think that's tacky, but I have to do it. And when he made himself known to these people, you know, a lot of people, well, let me just, let me just say it like this. By reading to you John chapter 16, verse 7, all right? 500 people have already seen him. Now, he hasn't ascended yet, so I want you to hang right there for a minute. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is one of the things he said. It's expedient. It's to your advantage. It's important for you. Now, this is Jesus talking here. He says, it's expedient. It's, it's, man, it's really important for you that, that I go away. For if I don't go away, if I go not away, the comforter or the helper will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, Jesus is telling them, I've got to go. But do you know right here is where our fourth installment of the humility of Jesus lands, right here? Because after all the suffering and all the people saying, no, he ain't. No, you didn't do that. No, he's not. He's not who you say he is. After all of that, after being spit upon and hanging naked on a cross and the crown of thorns, all the things I went through last week. Now, now, now I've got to leave. Now I've got to, let me go show some people a thing or two. Me and you, that's where we live, amen? We know about the scripture, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay, but we just kind of like to push that one aside because we need to show people a thing or two. And that's why the humility of Jesus Christ is something that the church needs to revisit again right now because hiding on the other side of the humility of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, is signs and wonders and miracles and revivals and outpourings and great and mighty things that you know not of. It's on the other side of humility, but we're on this side of humility, and we've got to understand sometimes We've got to humble ourselves, folks. We've got to humble ourselves in every situation you can think of so that like Jesus said, if I don't go away, then everybody's not going to benefit like you can benefit. But if I go away, I'm going to send him and I know what he will do for you. And so see, a lot of times in my life, I feel like, well, you know what? Now that I'm where I am and now that things have really panned out, I need to just strut my stuff and let people see. You were wrong. I'm right. And you should have listened to me. I tried to tell you. I know y'all live there. Amen. You got young as you live there. So Jesus didn't want anything to do with that. He just said, I've done everything I came here to do. And now I'm humbling myself not worried about fanfare, not worried about vengeance or revenge or proving 500 people see, saw him. You've already amen that. You don't have to prove anything, you see. God says that if you pray in secret, I'll reward you. See, God likes things to be in a humble setting the whole time you're alive. And that's the way Jesus operated. And, and even when Jesus 
was about, now I told you a while ago he hadn't ascended yet, but right when he was about to ascend, listen, he never stopped after being glorified in that, in that body that was no longer hanging on the cross. Jesus was still humble enough not only to leave in a little while, but he was enough, a humble enough to still give and serve. He didn't stop. And I'm going to prove it right now in Luke's gospel in the very last chapter, the 24th chapter. He says, now it came to pass. Luke records this. He said, while talking about Jesus, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, even risen from the grave and showed himself for about 40 days. He would show up in a disciple's house or someone's house. So he made it very public who he was. It was not some new Messiah or new prophet. It was really him. And he didn't get the big head, but he stayed humble. And the last thing he did, the Bible record, was that he blessed them. He didn't have to bless. He had already blessed them by rising from the dead and having eternal life available to them and calling them and sending them and teaching them and using them. But no, not this humble Savior. He said, no, it's all about them. It's not about me like the world is about itself, but it's about them. And so the Bible says, so he blessed them right before he left. After all of this, you would think that Jesus would do that. And see, there's a lot of things in my life, perhaps, well, I know all of us, people online. There, there are things, there are situations. See, Jesus said, if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. And then the outpouring, the church being born, all that won't take place. He said, I've got to leave first so that we can launch this thing called the church, which is the rest of my body. See, Jesus knew until he humbled himself and went back to heaven that the rest of his body could not be completed. And we're, we are the body. You know, you know that. Amen, church? He's the head. We are the body. We are the body of Christ. And the Lord said, I've got to go away so that it can benefit everybody, so that 120 people, and again, I hit this over and over again, 500 were there, they witnessed it, they knew it was really him, but they didn't. And see, this is a telltale sign of the day we're living in right now. Although that many people saw him with their eyes, still, when he gave the command, go and tear ye in the city until ye are endued with power from on high, only about 120 people made the trip. 5,000 were fed one time, 4,000 were fed another time, but only 120 made it to the upper room. And see, the Bible tells us statistics over and over again. Many are called, few are chosen. Few there be, straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Few there be that find it. The Lord tells us what the stats look like on a regular basis. And you would think people would wake up, but even in our culture right now, with the world, the shape it's in, people still will not adhere to what the Bible says because the fulfillment of this Fake world is just too appealing and I can't make the trip, Lord, to the upper room. 
So we just have to be news spreaders. We tell people we saw Jesus. We tell people we know Jesus because that's going to require me to humble myself to put other people first. And I just can't do that because I love where I am and I love the gratification that the world gives. And it's fake. Plastic People is a song that Casting Crowns used to sing about over a decade ago. We are happy plastic people. Need to go home and YouTube that song, by the way. And Jesus, you know, when he started to leave, he made sure that everything was done up to the last minute of blessing. And he could leave. He could humbly say, okay, I'm blessing you. You go down there and you wait where I've told you to wait so you can get what has been promised to you for a long time. Been promised. The early writers of the Bible, prophets, wrote about the promise of the Lord. And so, Jesus, after he knew that all of the T's were crossed, all of the I's were dotted. In fact, one time the Lord said, not one, not one that you have given to me, Father, have I lost. And then he even said this in John's gospel, the 17th chapter. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I guess you could say it like this. I guess you could say that Jesus didn't come up short. He didn't come up short. He finished it all. He didn't almost finish it all. He didn't, well, I got, I, I should have done that last, I, I meant to bless them before I left. No, he did it all, folks. He proved he was the son of God. He fulfilled all of the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. He fulfilled every single thing. I heard today I was listening to another uh, message, and this is uh, over 300 prophecies that talked about Jesus in the Old Testament were fulfilled every single one of by him in the New Testament when during his earthly ministry. Every one of them. So there was not, I, I'm trying to figure this thing out if this is really real. And, 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 and the pastor gave the, the phenomenal number that I can't even repeat and recall, but Jesus didn't come up short, you see. And that takes me to a scripture that I want you to look at if you don't write another scripture down or take a picture of the screen, I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 5, or 4 rather, verse 1. When I read this Monday morning, I think it was, I couldn't read anything else because the Lord said, sit right here. And this is what it says. Therefore, since a promise Remains. That means it's still active, it's still available, since the promise remains of entering his rest, home, going home. Let us fear. Now, here we go, folks. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. When I read that, and the Spirit of God hit me, my, my jaw just dropped open. I said, oh God, oh God, and the Lord began to deal with me because from the time Jesus left heaven, during all of that ministry we've talked about, and even during his mission that God had given him and what he was to do 
the passion of the cross, all of that, not one time did he come up short. And all of you in here, you know what it means to come up short. You've seen it many times. In golf, I know that a putt on more than one occasion, just a putt, was inches away or an inch away or on the lip of... And it was the difference, you see. It was the difference between a major PGA championship and millions of dollars. I've seen it in football, in the Super Bowl more than one time. It's tied, it's triple overtime, and the only, time, the only thing there's time for is a field goal, and one team makes it, and it's time again for the other team, and they can't, they can't turn anything over, so they have a chance to tie it again, and the kicker goes back, and he lines up, and he kicks the ball, but it falls short of falling inside the goalpost, and the other team wins the Super Bowl rink. They all go into Disney World. Don't figure it. I don't know about that one. Uh, but they won it all. They got the rings. They got the jacket. They get the bank accounts that get exploded again with millions of dollars. They came up short. And then in NASCAR, I know this has happened. You know, the white flag, checker flags out there, it's, it's waiting. Basketball, same thing. In basketball, um, before I tell you about racing, you know, three-pointer, just, just, it's just waiting, just waiting, and you're going to win. I've seen it in college. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I don't want to call the coach's name because he's gone on. But there was a coach one time who used to make all of our nerves just rest on the edge. And he would try to, and he would. He would mount up 20 points in 2.8 seconds. And people like me, you, would sit at home and say, why did you do that the first half? First period, why do you cram it all in 2.8 seconds? And see, sometimes it worked. But there were many times that the only thing that there was time for was a three-pointer. And the three-pointer was shot it was, you know, thrown in, and the best three-pointer there was given the ball, and he had, and all of a sudden it got almost to the net. It hit the rim, it rolled around, and instead of falling in, it fell out, come up short, and the other team championship, NBA champion, and then in NASCAR, the driver thinks that he has such a lead that. The lead is so good, I don't really need a pit stop, but I think I'm going to come on in, turn it down pit road, get me four fresh tires, let them give me a little bit of water, be over with three laps. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy the ride. Well, what happened is you see that the driver doesn't realize that the whole time another car was gaining on him, and he just stalled coming out of pit road just enough for that other rider. And, you know, I used to hear Tony Stewart say when I did watch racing a long time ago, he said, you know what second place is? First loser. And a lot, there's a lot to be said about that. And so driver thought he was good with pit road and all that, only to come up like one millionth of a second short of crossing the line 
him about. Jesus didn't ask him about the nine. Jesus said, what about this? He came up short. Ananias and Sapphira over in Acts. Just a look, folks. One lie. Only one lie. Too many. Caused them to come up short. Fell dead when Peter asked them about it. About stealing and holding back part of the money. Judas. For only 30 pieces of silver, folks, Judas came up short. And that's what's plaguing the body of Christ and people right now that are named Christian and feel like you're Christian. But the problem is, and that's why you need to go listen to that message I told you Sunday night, because it just seems like everywhere I read or the few places that I listen or, or watch, that any pastor worth his salt is trying to warn the church one last time and get sheep ready to meet Jesus in the air because the trumpet could sound at any minute. Anybody worth their salt, they're trying to make sure one last time that people really understand what it looks like to be saved and they're doing everything in their lives to resemble that picture that the Scripture has painted for us. And this Christmas, I'm ashamed to say it, but so many people will allow another opportunity to pass by and they will come up short of getting the best possible gift they could ever get. And that's Jesus, the baby, that grew up to die for their sins, to live in their lives, to relieve them of the damnation and judgment of hell and the penalty, penalty and all the guilt. They will pass that on by and they'll come up short, folks. I want you to know today, I know. People are probably saying, you know what, how about this for a Christmas message? But listen, how about it for a Christmas message? How about it for a Christmas message? You won't get a better present than to know, man, I'm doing away with things that, that I've come up short on. I, I'm making sure that my house is clean, that my house is in order, that my family serves Jesus and we prioritize Jesus. My children know that Jesus is first and foremost. Jesus is represented in our home more than anything else on TV or on any type of internet device. I'm talking to the church today. Listen to me. You better make sure... You do a lot of house cleaning over Christmas because the Lord Jesus Christ very well could come back before the 25th of December and everything I've preached to you so far, you will be held accountable for it whether you just brushed it off or you come short of entertaining doing it and implementing it into your walk and your life. and your Well, I do all this other stuff. Jesus wants me to tell you today and you out there today that nine out of ten ain't good, honey. Jesus died a perfect life and he died so you can live a perfect life through the power of the cross with the help of the Holy Ghost. Jesus did that for you. You don't have to come up short. 
You don't have to, but you've got to make some hard choices. Is everybody listening to me right now? Because the power of the Holy Ghost is on me right now, and I'm just admonishing you in the name of Jesus through the authority of His Word, and I'm telling you, you better put your house in order or your children's going to cry out from hell's flames one day or your spouse or your parents or your grandparents or your neighbor or your siblings or your friends or your co-workers or your classmates and there's not time to play around church I don't care there's no such thing as getting back to any kind of normal this world is going to continue to be abnormal more sick more in the scum of sin and they're going to make sure because we are living in a lawless day the Bible tells us about lawlessness nothing is good but everything that is dirty and evil and rotten so your world's only going to get worse but your destination can get real good if you make sure that your house is in order church I don't care if there's nothing wrong with it how does it happen? How do you come up short? Well, Paul said in the fifth chapter of Galatians, he said, you've become estranged from Christ. Uh, you who attempt to be justified by the law. I'm going to tell you about that. You, you have fallen from grace. You've fallen from grace. And I want to be very clear right here. The grace of God can keep you. The grace of God can save you but let me tell you this and a lot of people really manipulate I preach more than one message about the grace of God people manipulate the grace of God to try to cover their sinful unrepentant habits in life that they're not willing to get saved from and live solely for Jesus Christ but let me tell you when you get saved just like Adam and Eve in the garden God does not turn you into a robot you have free choice and you have free will until the day you die. God will not let go of anybody. God won't drop anybody. God won't say, well, I'm tired and frustrated with you and I don't like you anymore because you're hoodooing me and you're a faker, you're a plastic person and you just really uh, just make my name uh, a, a pitiful, pathetic thing. He doesn't do that, but I tell you what, he does allow you to walk, and if you decide, well, I, I'm just going to fall off right here because I like what the world has to offer better than what the cross is, and that will never change, see? That won't never change, and I want to tell you, if you're really saved and you really know Jesus, your sins have been washed in the blood, Everything about your life, you're going to want Jesus. You're not going to want anything else. The things of this world, they don't even appeal to you anymore. They don't do anything for you. Your mind stays on Jesus all the time. I'm, a lot of people are lost right now in this message because you've fallen short. You've fallen off. You've come up just a little bit short. And the more you come up short, the more comfortable you are with the world's applause. Hebrews 12, 15 just, just nails this home. And I'm, I, I'm about through, but you, you need to listen to this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. See to it that no one falls short and that no root of bitterness springs up to cause trouble 
and then it's like a ripple effect. It defiles many. It spreads. So it seems that a, when I read that scripture, and you read that scripture with me, it seems that a direct indication of falling short is a root of bitterness in my life. So see, if you don't know if you've fallen short or not, that's something you really need to look at right now. Right, right now, right now. You need to look at it. You need to, you need to evaluate you. Online, I'm talking to you as much as anybody here. If you watch this six months from now and you live in India or you live in California, God's speaking to you today, right now. If you have a problem with somebody and you just try your best to to deal with it emotionally, all that, and you haven't let go, you haven't humbled yourself to walk away from that root of bitterness, you're coming up short according to this passage right here. You're falling short. A root of bitterness is an indication that you've fallen short of the grace of God that He's given so freely. A root of bitterness. It can be in your family. It can be in your circle. It can be a a moment in your life a long time ago, this Bible right here said that when you fall short, you got to watch out because it springs up. And you know misery loves company. Y'all know that, right? It just can't be my sin of bitterness. Oh, I got to spread it. I got to tell it so other people can be bitter. I, I mean, I, I've, I, I've been in ministry 30 years. I, I, I saw this in Bible college. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, well, I ain't even getting into what I saw in Bible college. Whoa. Anyway, I had to make sure I was in Bible college sometime. But that's a direct indication of, of falling short, the Scriptures tell us. And now, what, what can I do? And you can write these Scriptures down, but these are four things. The first thing, what I need to do, Hebrews 4, 1 tells me that I need to fear. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. I tell you people don't attend church on a regular basis because they don't fear God. Don't care what you say. If you live right, you give right. Uh, people do not uh, worship God. People don't support midweek services. People don't give right financially, people don't pray right, people don't evangelize, people don't try to go out and get their neighbor and compel like the Bible teaches, people don't seek the Lord while he may be found because you don't fear God and you don't fear. This is why if the world's got a carrot, we are Peter Rabbit and we're going for it. We're going to get it because we like that carrot. God understands I'm saved, I'm going to heaven and, and, and this is the way the world is now. Let me tell you the way the world is now, okay? This is the way the world is right here. Heaven and earth, which is the world, will pass away. But my word, anytime you think it's okay to not live according to this Bible, you too are probably going to pass away. But you're not going to like that passing away destination because the Lord's made it clear that you've got to live a humble life. You cannot entertain sin at any level, whether it's car theft, whether it's uh, embezzlement, and I went through a list the other week, not going to, or bitterness or anything, malice, pride, anything. 
You've got to lay things down at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I'm humble because on the other side of humility is a great blessing and a great promise and there's an eternal promise, your rest. And God, I'm pretty tired right now and it'd be bad to come up short and spend the rest of my days in hell and not be able to rest forever in heaven where my mama is and where your family is and where the disciples and people of old, it'd be really bad to preach all these years and study and pray and give and fast and work, 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 work and then me come up short because I was comfortable with 90% and God sent me today to say on this Christmas Sunday, take the best present home you can take and that's called the humility of Jesus Christ. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. He will exalt you. Don't wait on social media. Don't wait on your boss at work. Don't wait on your school friends. Don't even wait on your family to lift you up. If you will live a humble life, bitter free and and curse free and loving, God will lift you up in a place that nobody else can. God will do that for you. He will do it for everybody here, everybody online. God will do it. You don't want to come up short. It's a bad feeling. I've been in the line at the grocery store before. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to get to number two in a minute. And then I'm going to get me some chili beans, y'all. I'm hungry. All right. But listen to me right now. I've been at the store before. Somebody in front of me, $4 short. And I'd either give them the $4. You, you've done this. I'm, 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 not, I'm not a hero. Listen. $4 short. Or there's two or three items, and they push them to the side. Push them back and pay. They, they just come up short, $4. Or 13 cents. See, it doesn't matter how much you come up short. If you come up short one penny and the penny is not provided, you cannot take the product out the door. But see, Jesus paid the price in full so you don't have to live this life coming up short. Not even one penny short. Jesus paid it all. He did it all. He crossed those T's. He dotted those I's. He did it all. He said, it is finished. It is finished. Paul would say it later on. He did it all so you wouldn't have to live a life coming up short. When this church gets on the other side of humility, that's when the power of the Holy Ghost is going to not only transform your lives and this building, but it's going to transfer, transform all of this county and other counties and people that watch us, even though it's streamed miles and miles away. The power of God is not limited to a cable or a satellite. God can touch people when we we humble ourselves the way Jesus did. We won't come up short no more. We won't leave this church coming up short. I left here sick. 
because I got there sick. There was no power. I came here. I feel worse than I did when I got here. You won't leave like you came in Jesus' name if you quit coming up short. And you're not going to do that avoiding the humility of Jesus Christ. It's not possible, church. So you got to fear God. If we live to see 2022 and you're not afraid of God, and I don't mean in a whoo. I mean, no, I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. Lord, I don't want to hurt. I know that's against your word. And a lot of people here, a lot of people online, a lot of people not here anymore. People were raised right. I know how people were raised. And a lot of people just, because the world is like a draft. It's like a magnet. It keeps pulling. And we use that for an excuse. But it's not excusable, church. It's not excusable. And so, and so we just get more comfortable with the world. And, and we do that. And then all of a sudden... Well, God understands. You know, we fit in everything, even praying, even praying when we can. The Bible says the second thing you can do, not only can you start fearing God, but you can humble yourself and realize you don't have as much time as you think you have and that you are coming up short. You've got to admit, I have to admit this, church. I can't preach it and not practice this. Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, this is the second verse, and there's going to be two more that I want you to get along with Hebrews 4.1. But the end of all, I believe this as much as I believe anything, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious. King James says sober. I like both of those words. Be sober. Don't be drunk, intoxicated with the world. Be serious about every day of your life, every decision you every decision you make for yourself and your family. You need to survey it through Scripture. You will be judged on that in front of God one day. What I just said, in the name of Jesus, everybody will be judged on what I just said. Everything you do, every decision you make for your family, it better be filtered through the Word of God and what God has said, or you will give an account for it. The rich young ruler thought the pit stop was okay. But when Jesus, the flag waver, or whatever they're called, Grand Marsh, what are they, I don't know what they're called, Marsh, whatever they're called, when Jesus took a hold of the flag, he said, uh-uh, uh-uh. You took a pit stop on loving the Lord God with all your heart, not having any other gods before you. You see, and I think a lot of times we're good with pit stops. But the end of all things is at hand, so be sober now. Not, and now's not time to be drunk on the world's wine. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. When you pray, your prayer life needs to reflect the return of Jesus Christ to call us home. Your prayer life needs to reflect. And then number three, the third thing, and above all things, this is a scripture, the very next verse, verse 8. Above all things, have fervent, not love, not just regular, but have above all things. Now, when I read that, above all things, to me, to me, I can be wrong and y'all can correct me, but when I read the word all things, you know what I think that means in the Greek, the Hebrew, the English, the Spanish, the Japanese, the Jewish, everything? I think that means all things. All things. I just think it means everything. All things, that means, so that means above my, my giving, 
my service, my everything, my everything, my everything. Because the end's near. I need to have fervent love for you. And I need to have fervent love. That means hot, hot love. I, I, I mean, that needs to be, it's a passionate love. All the things I went through the very first week. I need to have that kind of love for you. And I can have it if I'm humble. It, I'm missing that if I'm not humble because, you know, I got all that other stuff in the way. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. And you know what I think? The Lord laid that on my heart. I used to think that meant other people's sins. I think when I start loving you instead of not liking you and the world and those online and everybody, I think when I really start loving you the way Jesus loved people, then that, that love that I have is going to cover a multitude of sins in my life. That didn't go good, but nobody but Wanda. But I hope you heard what I said. See, we're still not there yet. When we talk about us, there's no, there's no, we don't get happy with that. We're the pit stop people. We, 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 we got to get there, church. And the last thing is, the very next verse, be hospitable to one another. Oh, I'm about to go without grumbling. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. You know, we could have what we used to call growing up. We could, I could have camp meeting on that right now. That, that means we would have church for about a week, morning, midday, and night. Just on that. I need to do stuff for you. I need to be hospitable without grumbling. The more you practice humility, the more you will have a holy... Listen, church. The more you practice humility, the more you will have a holy, reverent fear of God. And the more you fear God, you will find that you are no longer... Coming up short. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. And I want to ask you today, if you fear God, if you fear God, and you can't, yeah, this is one of those things, you can't say yes, and that, that just, okay, let's move on. Collect $200 and go past God. We can't do that. If you fear God, if you fear God, if you fear God, church, if you fear God, your life, the decisions you make, because you've got control over your family, you see. I don't care if you tell me what age they you If they're under your roof, you have control over them. You don't believe me? You don't believe that, do you? Don't pay a cell phone bill. Let them pay. Well, I mean, I have to keep up with them. I want to know what. You got control. You make decisions for, you see, because God, I could go back and I got to quit now. But we could go back in, we could go back all the way to the garden again. I do this with young couples when, when they're getting married. God set the family up. God set the home up. Adam and Eve, both equal. He's got his role. She's got her, he's the spiritual leader, he's the priest of the house. She's the prayer warrior, she understands the weight he has on his shoulder. They pray together, not separately. And the way I like to say it, 50%, he's the other part of her. He takes all this into consideration before he makes... So when I'm talking about marriage, when I'm talking about 
a man and woman, and I'm talking about families and home, look, you drive the boat, man. You're driving the boat. And I want you to listen to this because if you fear God, that fear will be replicated and it will have that ripple effect in your life, in your spouse life, in your... And that doesn't mean they're all going to be Catholic choir boys and girls and you're going to get up and you're going to quote the book of Lamentations tomorrow. You won't do that and I won't neither. But it will mean this, that everybody in your house knows what Joshua 24, 15 means. And that is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord because we fear God. Don't come up short. Don't come up short. You've been given a lot of scripture today. There's no excuse by anybody to come up short. There's no excuse for us not to have revival when we meet Saturday on Christmas Day if people humble themselves and we see what God can do. I'm going to work on it. Are you going to work on it? Let's work on it right now then. Okay, that's an altar call. Let's work on it right here at the altar. I, I don't, I don't that, you know, God forgive me. I know I didn't mean that the way you probably took that. That's an invitation, and I'm sorry. I, the, the zeal of the Lord has, in his house, eats me up sometimes. And as you come together, that, that, uh, what I want to do, I want to say, Lord, forgive me. I've never been treated. I have never been treated not one time the way you were treated, Jesus. I've never been treated not one time the way you were treated on this earth. I have no excuse not to live a humble life. I fear you, Lord. I want to put first things first. I want to make sure, God, that my home... I don't care about a happy home. I want a holy home, Lord. And Lord, I know if we're a holy home, we're, we're going to be happy because the joy of the Lord is going to be our strength. So God, we don't even look at it this way, but you've been in the process over four weeks giving us a wonderful gift. Lord, and, and I pray right now that the words of Luke 11, Father, if we are evil and we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will you give the Holy Ghost to those that ask? God, I'm asking you right now, Abba Father, Lord, you said you would go away and send him. Lord, we pray for a filling, an infilling of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to flood these vessels and overflood them, Lord, so that it floods out of us into our home, into our workplaces, into our families' home, into our schools, into our offices, Lord. Even in the places where we go and shop and do, Lord, let the Spirit of the Lord flow out of us like a, a river of living water, God. I pray, Lord, God, that we don't come up short in anything, in praising you, in blessing you, and worshiping you, and serving you, and giving to you, 
in witnessing for you. Oh, God, not in loving for you. God, help me not to come up short, Lord. Every person here that's not a believer, if you'll come to this altar, we want to introduce you to the man called Jesus Christ right now. Anybody that's here, we want to introduce you to him. If you're online, if you'll pray with me, Lord, I will die in my sins if, I, if you do not forgive me. So I repent, Lord. I understand you suffered and victoriously defeated death, hell, and the grave so I could be saved, so that I could be redeemed, so I could be justified. So God, I give you my heart right now. I give you my life. I don't want to keep coming up short, Lord. And I don't want to come up short and not enter that rest. God, and many of us are ready to go home. We pray, we sing, we think, we talk. Even so, come Lord Jesus, come. Take your bride away. And Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be saved. I want to be sure. I want to know that I'm on my way to glory. So God, purge me and cleanse me. Forgive me, Lord, of all the time I've wasted. The Bible says if you do this, friend, that God will save you. There's information on the screen that will help you in your walk, and it will get help to you. Father, I pray right now that all of us here, Lord, will do what's necessary today and tomorrow. It's going to be busy. There's going to be a lot of demands on these people, Lord. There's a lot of things they're responsible for, God. And it is so easy to get so busy, Lord, that we come up short taking time to be with you one day or three days or a whole week. And we say we'll pick it back up the first of the year. But, Lord, there, there might not be a first of the year. That might be the beginning of tribulation. For all we know, Lord. And we don't want to be left, God. We, we, don't, we want to go rest. That's what we want. So God, help us to be strong. Help us to live like this is it. Help us to do what you told the ten servants in the parable. To occupy till you come, Lord. I pray you let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, because you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. And God, I pray that you bless the people, Father, that you would make your face shine on them, Lord. Lord, you would be gracious, and you are, Lord, gracious. to Lord, you would turn your countenance toward us, Lord. And God, you would... Give every per person peace. And Lord, and you are the only peace on this earth. And I pray, God, that you would keep every person safe and help us all to stay focused in the name of Jesus.
as I was telling you before I about robbed you, 